Well, kia ora, and welcome to a chorus. Maybe not such a dawn chorus because I'm running a bit late today. But I, I spent the extra time to focus on two big events that have happened in the last day or so. Firstly, Nanai Mahuta, the local government minister, has put out some very big reports on the potential benefits of amalgamation of New Zealand's 67 water authorities into maybe between two and four water authorities. And at the same time, the Reserve Bank has just put out a major speech on how it plans to manage its balance sheet. What they're talking about there is how much quantitative easing, money printing, if you like, they've done, and what they're going to do with all the government bonds that they bought with all that money they printed. And, in particular, whether they could change that balance sheet in future, potentially to buy other things as well as government bonds, and also whether to buy more foreign reserves. And even though these two things are not directly related and certainly weren't time to be to go out together, I think there's a unique opportunity here for uh, the Reserve Bank and the government to work together to solve some of these massive infrastructure financing issues that we face. It's not like they haven't done it before. In the mid-1930s, the Reserve Bank lent money to the government to essentially start the State House building program and help get New Zealand out of the Great Depression. So the report from Nanaia Mahuta's office included a really in-depth look by the Scottish Water Authority uh, into New Zealand's water infrastructure needs over the next 30 years. Now, why the Scottish Water Authority? Well, in 2002, Scotland looked a lot like us in terms of uh, lots of different and very small water authorities running storm, drinking and fresh water uh, and wastewater in, in Scotland. Uh, but over that time, they amalgamated all of those water authorities down to one. And and so the experts at the Scottish Authority have come here and over the last year or so have had a couple of close looks at how much New Zealand is going to have to spend on its water infrastructure over the next 30 years, not only to improve it, to uh, deal with climate change and to meet the water quality needs, particularly in the wake of the Havelock North um, uh, disaster, but also to deal with decades of underinvestment. And that's one of the themes of this, these reports that uh, over the last 30 years, we have not paid it forward. We have effectively skimped on infrastructure investment. And uh, even though there's been plenty of depreciation booked by councils, they haven't matched that with investment in the underlying infrastructure of all those pipes. I'm from Wellington. I guarantee you there is a problem with uh, poorly invested infrastructure under the streets. Now, how big is the number? It's enormous. Uh, the three waters reforms, uh, if it's done properly, should see investment of between $120 billion and $185 billion over the next 30 years, according to this report. Now, that's up from uh, about $85 billion was their first estimate, the uh, Water Industry Commission for Scotland, uh, when it had a first look with some basic data, uh, thought it might cost up to $90 billion or so. Now it's saying more like $120 billion to $185 billion. And the question is, you know, who's going to pay for that? Certainly it's not going to be the councils, many of whom are local councils who don't have that borrowing capacity. And if they were to stay in their current state, according to this report, 
um, they would um, see their costs explode. To give you an idea of how much um, those costs might rise without reform, this commission is estimating that some households could see their bills rise to $13,900 a year, and um, even for the cheapest one, up to $1,900. Now, what this means is that uh, under this reform proposed, which would see about two to four water authorities created potentially uh, a couple in the Upper North Island, one straddling the bottom of the North Island and the top of the South Island, and one below that, you could see bills be lower uh, by around uh, $2,000 or so a year, depending on where you are. And there's some big variation there because obviously the potential rise in costs in the most rural councils is spectacular, not so much in cities. So according to the Commission, costs for the most rural councils for water could rise by between 3 and 13 times. For provincial councils, up by between 2 and 8 times current rates. And for the big cities, anywhere between 1.5 and and 7 times. So there's a lot of money that has to be spent, and currently councils and the government actually aren't that keen on investing it. Even though there's plenty demand for bonds, to invest in these assets and for it effectively to be paid for over 50, 100 years through um, interest costs. Now, that's what is needed for the water reforms. And until now, councils have been just waiting to see what the government comes up with. Last year, the government uh, created a $791 million fund uh, to um, hand out a few carrots to various councils to tempt them to come on board. But until we see the actual detail of proposal for, for the government, which particular authorities are going to be created, what the boundaries are, who's going to be subsidising who, which assets will be bought off who, it's really hard for everyone to get their heads around it, particularly when a lot of these decisions will be based on very long-term forecasts, which are subject to a lot of variability. And so, um, for example, uh, one of the authorities that could be created could be right along the east coast of the North Island. So you could see small towns like Wairoa, Dunivirk, where there's not necessarily a lot of population growth, um, no plans to build a lot more stuff, suddenly see their uh, water rates go up because they're having to pay for the retrofitting and the expansions of water networks in Palmerston North, Wellington, Kapiti Coast. So they're not going to be happy with that. And that's one of the risks here, that you get a massive blowback, a, um, effectively a populist uprising from councils and mayors who say, I don't want those bureaucrats in Wellington telling me what to do or making me subsidise um, the town over the hill. And uh, they could say no. And that's one of the things that the government needs the councils to say yes. Now, at the moment, the the pile of carrots is only $791 million large. And when we know the cost of this is going to be $185 billion, up to $185 billion over the next 30 years, you do wonder whether the government is putting up enough carrots to get everyone on board. But this has to be done. We're talking here about adjusting to climate change, improving water quality so that people don't die when they drink the water, and also working to improve water quality with things like... Um, uh, dairy and agriculture around some of the regional councils. So that's the funding need, up to $185 billion over the next 30 years, and it should be done by debt issuance by these water authorities or councils or government, someone. 
Also yesterday, we had a speech from the Head of Financial Markets at the Reserve Bank, Vanessa Rayner. In fact, it was given on her behalf by Yuang Ha, who's the Head of Economics and the Chief Economist at the Reserve Bank. It was a speech to the Kanga News Conference. Kanga News is a great name for a, um, a debt investors and traders magazine based in Australia but covers New Zealand. Kanga News, K-A-N-G-A News, great name for a magazine. And uh, they run a conference on um, for debt traders and investors. So Yuong Ha gave this speech about the Reserve Bank's use of its balance sheet. Now that's important now, of course, because over the last 15 months or so, the Reserve Bank has been buying New Zealand government bonds and local government funding authority bonds to try and push down longer-term interest rates. This is technically called quantitative easing, and depending on your point of view, you could argue it's the government, it's the Reserve Bank creating money to fund the government's deficit, albeit indirectly. People get very sensitive about this. Um, if, for example, the Reserve Bank was to just create the money and hand it straight over to the government, a lot of people call this directly monetizing deficits, which apparently is very bad. Uh, but what actually happens here is that the government will issue bonds into the financial markets. They'll be bought by a bank or a pension fund for a couple of days, and then they'll be sold back into the Reserve Bank. And so over the last 15 months, the government has borrowed about net about $55, $60 billion, and the Reserve Bank has bought $50 billion of government bonds. So pretty much all of the deficit uh, has been uh, um, financed by the Reserve Bank. What's interesting about the speech, as an aside, is that it's, it's clear that the government has actually borrowed much more than it needed. The Crown Settlement account um, currently has around about $37 billion in it, which is just sitting there. So that's money that's being borrowed, and effectively the government could spend it. Uh, they could, for example, give everyone a, a, a big old payday or commit to use that money to build a couple of big motorways or a couple of big railways, but they're not. And what I suspect they'll do is just not borrow money in the next couple of years, and they've used this as a buffer to ensure that if things go really, really pear-shaped, they've still got that cash there. But what it does mean is that the Reserve Bank and the government, when they say they don't have money to pay for you know, a new hospital or to increase benefits for people, um, that's simply wrong. There's $37 billion in the bank account. Don't tell anyone, but it's there. The Reserve Bank talked about its balance sheet and what it's going to do with it. And what was really interesting, I thought, that it, it put an, a climate change lens across its thinking about what it does with its balance sheet. And it's really crossed a Rubicon in that it doesn't seem to mind now having um, a big balance sheet, I lots of bonds on it, because, frankly, everyone else in the world does. And uh, the speech from Yuong Ha on behalf of uh, the head of financial markets um, essentially said uh, we'll take a holistic view in thinking about strategic asset allocation and we'll think about climate change when we do it. The Reserve Bank is also looking to increase its level of foreign reserves. In this case it would be potentially printing New Zealand money, New Zealand dollars, and selling those to someone with um, other reserves, be they US Treasury bonds or some other type of um, foreign asset denominated in foreign currencies. So that would be one way to bring the New Zealand dollar down if you wanted to. And uh, in theory, you could buy um, other green assets overseas. So we've got this issue here where the councils and the government 
say they don't know where they're going to be able to borrow this money to deal with this climate change challenge and to improve our water quality and environment. And the Reserve Bank says it needs to get hold of assets that are going to be helping deal with the climate change issue and improve our environment. So if you're clever, you'd put one and one together. Now, no one's suggesting the Reserve Bank and the, and the government are working together on this. Um, they probably haven't even thought of it. I'd just like to throw it in there. Hey, why doesn't the Reserve Bank do what it did in 1935? And if there is a shortage of uh, funds to... Uh, rebuild our water networks and deal with climate change and improve water quality, um, the Reserve Bank should play a role in that. Uh, as it turns out, I actually don't think there is a shortage of um, a supply of cash from overseas, or here actually, given that we've got the New Zealand Super Fund, ACC and KiwiSaver funds all desperately scrambling to buy these bonds as well. So uh, the councils and the government should use the debt markets to solve this issue. It's a classic um, a classically uh, uh, appropriate use of long-term government bonds is to pay for infrastructure that's going to last 50 to 100 years and where there is a guaranteed user uh, with a government or a council able to levy a tax or a rate to pay for that asset. And there is huge demand for these sorts of safe assets. And if you think, oh, that sounds like funny money stuff, um, surely that's going to wreck confidence in New Zealand's uh, assets and cause a collapse in the currency and for interest rates to spike up. Just remember this. Over the last 15 months, the government has effectively um, created money and spent it, uh, obviously indirectly. Standard & Poor's increased our credit rating in February to AAA. And the cost of borrowing uh, for the New Zealand government is down around the one5 to 2% mark. And actually, the cost of borrowing for local government uh, financing agency bonds is also incredibly low. And in fact, has been falling. And remember, the Reserve Bank has bought uh, nearly $2 billion worth of local government um, funding agency bonds over the last uh, 15 months out of the... Um, 3.9 that have been issued. So almost half of the government bonds issued in the last year have actually been bought by the Reserve Bank. So we, we have a precedent and the world didn't end. I'm Bernard Hickey. That was a, uh, a special version of the chorus, the dawn chorus on the kaka. It is Thursday, June the 3rd. Kia ora.